What's going on, y'all? This is Mike Brown, and I just want to welcome y'all to this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. While I have your attention, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Also, leave a review. Let people know what you think. Also, if you all are looking to learn about podcasting the month of October, I will be doing some free Zooms, also releasing a podcasting course that basically is going to show you how to put together a podcast and stay consistent. So be on the lookout for that. And welcome to the show. <laughs> New episodes every week. I could podcast in the deep sleep. This is my first time on my own beat. Hit today's guest with a phone tweet. And he said, yes, say you gon' see. His perspective on weed and money. All about attention, hella accolades. Though we didn't mention Jake, Cola Frank. Yup. And he got a lot of knowledge. Told me about designs inspired by college and about his fitness journey. Plus, he's from New Orleans, so I know you heard me. And we talked about surviving LA. Living life between the times of getting paid. Coming down from a song, getting placed. If you didn't know, I'm talking to Chase. He told me that you can't buy respect, so I never sell my soul for a check. I feel I've been rapping long, gotta stop. Here's a new episode about to drop. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, I have a special guest in the building. Um, shit, like I was telling you earlier, I, I, I met you at a session, shit, like I said, probably 10 years ago. Uh, but I was so starstruck at that time, just being in there, that I was just all over the place, being young. But um, man, I wanted to bring you on the podcast because... I see a lot of the positivity that you put out into the world. Um, I thought you was two people when I first heard your name like years ago. But uh, do you Uh, mind introducing yourself to the people? Oh, man. One person, uh, one man. Just do a (laughs) lot of things. So, you know, I do deserve two checks from two people. Uh, Chasing cash. (laughs) You know, entrepreneur, businessman at this point, you know, uh, started off in music. Producing, rapping, songwriting, um, you know, that led into, you know, starting my own brand, Camp by Respect, where we do merchandise, you know, we do business consulting, you know, we do content production, all sorts of different things underneath that umbrella, which now led to, you know, uh, partnerships in sports and film. You know what I mean? So, you know, do a little bit of everything, man. I mean, I'm 35 at this point. I got in the game 16, 17 years old, fresh out of high school, moving to L.A. Um, So I just think the evolution of everything that comes with the culture of entertainment or anything that black people are involved in and prospering, you know, that's kind of underneath my umbrella at this point. So I'm blessed to be able to say I grew up on you know, music and sports and, you know, wanting to learn about business. And now I get to partake in that. So, you know, uh, I would say that I'm just trying to continue every year to just keep adding a different layer to my life. And, you know, as many things as possible that I can get involved in that are involved with my passion. You know what I mean? I try to do it. That's really dope, man. Um, Shoot, how you feeling today? How you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm about to knock this uh, out. I'm usually working out at this point, you know what I mean? So uh, I'm about to knock this out and then go get a workout in, and that'll really get me started. But other than that, bro, I'm blessed. I feel like I tell everybody every day is wavy for me as long as I'm breathing. You know, I got all kind of goals I want to accomplish and all kind of things that, you know, 
I would like to happen, but you know, the best thing to happen is to get another shot, being able to, you know, put your two feet on the ground and stand up tall. That's what's up, man. And I, I appreciate you being here this morning. Well, shit, afternoon for you. That's uh, so, all. Uh, uh, I wanted to start. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to start with the uh, with the thought I have this week. I usually play my guess a thought that uh, I was thinking of. So I'll play it for you, and then I would love to hear your thoughts on it as well. Let's get it. to me actually from somebody else, but a uh, guy in the parking lot talking to me about money, and he asked me, when is enough enough? He's talking to me about all these billionaires and shit like that, and yeah, I didn't have an answer for him. Man, so I was I was moving my car the other morning, and uh, yeah, this dude just started talking to me about money and saying like some of these billionaires have too much money, and he asked me when is enough enough? Like when have you when do you know when it's too much money? And uh, I'm curious to know your answer on that. Uh, I, I definitely ain't reached my limit yet, but uh, I think it's, <laughs> I know I haven't either. I think it's relative to what your intentions are. You know, some people have more intent and then some people are content. You know what I mean? They at peace with not having a lot of money and the things that come with it. Um, I think if you're a person that doesn't mind accountability and responsibility, because let's just keep it a buck. People can say what they want to say about billionaires. You know, some get a rap for being corrupted. But then you got the ones that are like, you know, the black guy that cleared all the people debt. You know what I mean? So. Um, I just think it depends on your intentions. You know, some got ill intentions and some have positive intentions. You know, whether it's a hundred million, five hundred million, ten million, it's a lot to somebody. You know, ten thousand dollars is a lot to somebody who ain't seen it yet. You know what I mean? So I think it's all subjective, you know, just like your favorite food. I think it's all relative, just like, you know, your experiences and what you've been through. Um, at one point in life, a hundred thousand dollars was like that used to be like so crazy to me to hear that. And I think now, you know, I use the word trillions because I feel like if you use the word trillions Man. in your conversation, you at least fall into some millions for you to be able to, you know, see what that's like. I do think that um, you just got to be into accountability and responsibility. That's not to say that, you know, all of these people who get money are treating people the best, you know, you know, all that different type of shit, but they do change people's lives. And at the end of the day, we live in a place where opportunity comes far and few in between, you know, and to be able to employ people is changing their lives, you know, to be able to, whether they're at the top of the circle with you or they at the middle of your company where they do management and different things like that, or they're at the lower level of your company where, you know, they do more of the manual labor that the top people don't do. Uh, to be able to f help pay people and finance people, whether you like a person or not, you know, that's a game changer, man. We live in a country where, you know, you could damn near have a life that you choose. I think a lot of people, too, they, they fail to look at other areas of the world where, you know, this type of freedom of opportunity don't exist. And they always thinking about just money, 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 money. You know, with that money is a level of responsibility and accountability that other places don't even have the freedom 
to to pursue in the least bit. You know what I mean? So I think you have to just look at it through a certain perspective. I try to look at it through a lens of, you know, opportunity at the end of the day. You know what I mean? So for me, I've always said I think I would be fine with $50 million. And I know that's a lot. And fifty million after taxes is probably thirty something, but I do think with that level of money, I I would be able to you know get property, you know, put my family that's that I'm creating and the ones that come after that in a better position. Um, My parents in their sixties, man. I'm trying to get them to retire sooner than later. You know, I mean, my pops has already done it. My mom is close, but I do want them to be able to see eighty years old, ninety years old, and be able to live in some form of comfort. After after I'm 35, so that's, I've just seen them work hard for 35 years. So I would like to see them have 35 years of comfort and be able to travel, you know what I mean, first class and get these experiences because I don't feel like those experiences should only be for people who are making the money. You know, they're beneficiaries to me being able to do this and Man. the position that they put me in. You know what I mean? My parents put me in good schools. You know what I mean? Sometimes schools that I was acting bad and not really even understanding, you know what I mean? The relationships and all the different shit. So, you know, I think I've been afforded a head start off the hard work of my parents and, you know, them being able to make just as much as $60,000, $80,000 coming from where my parents come from is a lot of money. My mama from the projects and my dad from the country. You know what I mean? So the money that they made, you know, even people in my family used to be like, damn, like that, y'all are like, y'all rich. You know what I mean? But it just was the opportunities that was afforded with that money. And you can't sleep on that. You know what I mean? And you know, whether you greedy or not, I'm not greedy. So I don't, I don't, I can't look at money through that lens. You know what I mean? I've never been person. You can go th- down my Instagram. You can look it up. I've never been anybody throwing money on the gram. Like I don't, I don't get money for that. You know what I mean? My main thing is just like, there are certain people I want in my life. And as a person that's been hustling and working hard and, you know, being an entrepreneur for so many years, I know what it's like to be alone on that journey and wanting to have the people you want with you. But they're not there because it takes money for that to happen. You know what I mean? It takes money to yeah. fly your people and bring them on vacation. It takes money to be able to like let them put their hair down and be like, bro, one thing is this. This, this is why I love money and get money. I, I enjoy experiences where I like let I can let people be themselves. I've been places with my homies when I was on the come up. I got the money for the meal, you know what I mean? But my homies is looking at the menu because in their mind, they're thinking about their bank account like, damn, I want the lobster, I want the steak, but I can't afford it, you feel me? So to be able to say, going on a shopping spree and niggas seeing me buy jewelry and buy all this and they just like, damn, I want a piece, I want this and this, that, but I can't afford it. And you start seeing people kind of clam up and act weird. And it's like, I don't want people to be like that around me. I want people to understand like, yeah, I'm not going to just spoil you and give you anything just for, without doing anything. But if you're somebody that's dear to me and I got the means to do it, you know, I am going to let you experience what that's like. Now, you may not get 10 Gucci outfits because I'm getting 10 of them, but you may you will be able to get one of them. You will be able to get a piece of where you can experience this and you can be like, you know what? This is something I fuck with or this is something I don't fuck with because I also think it's something that you can't really judge until you in them shoes. So. How could you judge a billionaire if you're not a hundred millionaire? You know what I mean? Like you really got to just let people exist in the realm that they in. And if having $50,000 is enough for you because you don't want to deal with taxes and you don't want to deal with all these other things, because it's a lot that come with money that people don't talk about. You know what I mean? And 
the, the 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 business aspect of being able to know that you're at the top and you have people depending on you, win, lose, or draw. You gotta you gotta uh, succeed and you gotta produce. You know, what I mean, that's a pressure that'll make people crack, bro. You feel me? At the end of the day, so that shit ain't yeah. for everybody. I mean, but I do think if you have a certain level of goals and you have a certain intention, you know, what I mean. You you live in a you, you live in a matrix where you can't make that happen without money. You know what I mean. So if you're if you're more on the I want to be at peace, I want to be content. You know what I mean. America may not be the place for you to stay long term. To keep it real with you, because as long as I've been alive, the price of everything has been going up. I remember when a hundred dollars for some shoes was a whole lot of money. Nigga, you can't even get shoes now without paying $300, bro. One, because you can't get them because so many other motherfuckers got the plug before you. So access is also a premium. And if you ain't got money, how do you get access to something first? We're looking at Jackson right now. They can't even get water. I got homies that's taking their money that they work hard for to send clean water down to Jackson. You know what I mean? So we just live in a weird matrix, bro, where, you know, money is a form, is an exchange in the form of energy. And it kind of shows the level of energy that you have. It does not show the intelligence that you have. Like you can have all the intelligence in the world and not have a lot of money. You feel me? You just got to figure out a way to take that intelligence and be able to use it as some form of currency to where you can take care of yourself. But as long as you in this paradigm that we in call America, you're going to need paper, bro. And I think you're going to continue to need more of it. So yeah. the best thing you can do is if you're not going to be the person with all the money, you better be a person with a lot of relationships who has access to money. You feel me? Or people who have access to resources to where they just like, you know what? I know this is a good person. The level of intelligence you have, because I, I be around CEOs, bro. They don't tout themselves as the smartest people, as the most intelligent people. You feel me? They really the gutsy ones. That was just like, you know what? I'm going to go for this because I see a certain vision in the world and I know I need this person. I need this person. I need this person. And guess what? That person ain't cheap. It's motherfuckers that's going to school and they getting degrees and shit like that. And guess what? They want to get paid 300,000 a year, 400,000 a year, 500,000 a year. And because they have a positive impact on the world, only one person can pay them. And who is that person? The person with the money. So at the end of the day, you can't get around it. You just have to figure out a way to pick your role in the matrix that we in. If you're not going to be a person chasing the billions, more than likely you're going to want to work for a company that's owned by somebody that's wealthy because they can give you your value. Simple as that. Now that's not yeah. to say that you had the best relationship, but your value can be established and respected by working with a certain type of person, whether it be 500 million, billion, whatever it is. Um, I represent athletes, man. You feel me? These guys play football, play basketball their whole life. You think they not going to ask for millions of dollars after they'd improve themselves? If you draft right. me and put me on your team, I'm going to make you money. You're going to be selling my jersey and my likeness. Like, that's the value. So I look at it like sports. You feel me? Some people like to take a negative perspective and look at it as like, oh, you know, that slavery. That it's like, nah, these guys focus on the game. That's what they love. They love the game and they played it. Then you got a guy who saw damn, sports could be a billion-dollar, trillion-dollar business. Let me figure out a way for me to go get a team. And the trickle-down effect of that person taking that leap of faith has been a generation of black men who have created somewhat of wealth for their families. You know what I mean? So I can't knock it. You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, um, the the person who, who wants more black people to be in the position of the wealthy white people – 
There just needs to be a generation below us that gets that explained to them. So let me use my kids, for example. I don't have any yet, but now I can explain to my child, you love sports. All right. Let's say you play sports growing up and you learn the game. And then there's a certain point in time where you can you see yourself not making it past the talent talent phase. Now you can get into the executive phase. But when I was young, there was nobody around who was an executive to even tell me that. And I'm pretty sure if you would have told me when I was younger, yo, you could own a team or you could work in sports and be an executive and you can make this money. I probably would have been like, damn, word for real. I don't got to run fast. I don't got to jump. But if you don't got nobody explaining that shit to you, bro, it makes it seem like there's a larger gap between what we what what was possible and then what's you know what's what's not possible at the end of the day. So I don't think anybody, I don't I don't think as long as we living in America and all this wild shit is happening, people are gonna sit up there and like I reach my money point because social security, four one Ks, all these different type of things, bro. Who's to say that shit gonna be here twenty years from now? What's the only way you're gonna be able to feed yeah. your family? Are you right? Simple as that. That's real, man. That's real. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, something that you mentioned uh, that kind of made something made me think about something was uh, when you started to reach your success, um, how did you deal with like people? Because I, cause I, I, I give you an example for myself. Like I, I did something with Spotify earlier this year and started to feel a difference of how people that I have relationships with treated me. Like it was almost like they they treat me like I'm I'm better than them or doing more than them. And and that for me that shit felt weird. It kind of made me want to give it a little distance. But I'm curious to know in your journey if you ever experienced that and how did you deal with it? Yeah. Um now luckily, you know, I'm a people person, so I don't necessarily feel like I felt envy. I feel like I've only felt envy from people that I don't know and jealousy. And that's just being on the internet. I've been on the internet since like 16, probably 15 years old, putting out music and putting out, you know, my thoughts and shit like that. And I just think that's the only time I've dealt with people who have really showed envy and jealousy. I think that once I experienced it with my peers, I was able to understand why, because there was a lack of like people skills that they had. You feel me? So I think with you, you know, Put it to you like this. People think that you may think that people feel like they're doing better than you or you're you, you doing better than them. But more importantly, bro, they're trying to figure out how the fuck you did it. And it's hard to like kind of conjure that thought and be like, how a person I spent all this time with can do something with Spotify. And yeah. in my life, the only thing I know how to do on Spotify is just fucking stream music. You know what I mean? Like some people can't even fathom that. You know what I mean? So. I think with me, it was a lot. I grew up in New Orleans, you know what I mean? So there was guys that rapped, yeah. you know what I mean? There was guys that want to do this, but I took a different route because I saw, I was just like, well, look, it don't look like rapping here. If you don't make it, if you don't get signed to no limited cash money, it don't feel like you're going to make it in rapping coming out of the city. So I chose to make beats and I chose to take a different path and move to Los Angeles. You know what I mean? With that, you know, came a lot of relationships just from being in that. And then when I would go back home, you know what I mean? People was like, tripping like oh how you know this person how you know this person how you know this person but it's not like it's not like i knew what i was doing going into it but there's a certain level of like you know vision that you gotta have and then when you you just put yourself there you gotta have a, you gotta have the balls to do it at the end of the day too you know what i mean so whatever you did with spotify congratulations yeah. on that it's just a thought that you had that another person did not have and seen it through 
You know what I mean? A lot of people have these thoughts like, oh, I want to do something, but they don't drop their nuts to be able to put themselves in position to, to work their way up to the to the resource. You know what I mean? For me, I knew nobody was coming to New Orleans. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day. And it's the same thing like being on the internet. A lot of people be embarrassed to cold email somebody or cold call somebody because the fear of rejection. And it's a lot of times that that limits them from being where they want to be. So to be with you and see, you know, be close to you and hang with you and see your personality. A lot of people also overthink the things that go into seizing an opportunity. They just like, well, damn, I know this nigga. This nigga ain't did this. He ain't did this. How the hell is he getting that? When really a lot of times, most times it's just the thought of just being like, I'm going to do this and just seeing it through. If it's 30 days, 60 days, 90 yeah. days, 90 days, whatever it is, it's just a thought to be like, all right, I'm going to do this shit. Let's get it done. So I think when you start being around people like that, I, me personally, I tried to put people in the shoes I was in. So I would go back to New Orleans. I would bring my peers around different people I met from the music industry and shit like that. I would put them on game. And then if I seen them receive it, then I would, you know, feed them more. And if they didn't receive it, then you do got to distance yourself from people. Because at the end of the day, people can't understand what they're not ready to understand yet. You know what I mean? And maybe years down the line, it's a lot of my guys yeah. years down the line, they'd be like, damn, dog, I tried to, I tried to, uh, I, I didn't get it back then. You feel me? I just didn't get it back then. I seen an interview recently where Finesse two times was saying how he needed to go through the situation with money bag, yo, because he just didn't get it. You know what I mean? And you can't make a person understand what they're not ready to understand. So the only thing you can do is just continue to push forward, push forward. I had, a, I remember when I was young, I remember renting a, a big ass house in LA and I got all, I got like damn near half of my homies from New Orleans to come out there. Cause I thought by me doing damn. that and putting them in that environment, it was going to click for them. But then some of them just went right back to New Orleans, bro, and got on the stayed on the same shit, and we still close to this day. But for me, I just had to realize, like, okay, there may be something I gotta give up because I can't change people that don't want to be changed at the time. You know what I mean? I can give them this experience, but whenever it settles in, is when it settles in. And it took years down the right, line, yeah. bro. My guys still fuck with me; they still loyal to me, but. At that time, they just were not ready. Now, some of them, you know, have got into real estate, you know what I mean? Developing, you know, just being landlords, all these different things. But it took time down the line for that to happen. At that moment in time, you know, they'll tell you from when I was a kid, bro, I was telling people I was going to do this shit, bro. I, I, the moment I knew I wasn't going to play sports no more and I chose music, my, from being a sophomore to a senior, everybody knew me. They, they, they could tell you. I remember being in my job core class. And, and I remember telling my teacher I was going to do music and my job core teacher was just like, well, how you going to do that? Da, 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 da. Oh, I didn't even have to stick up for myself because most of my homies in the class, the girls and the boys were just like, nah, you tripping. He be rapping at lunch. He make beats. Da, 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 da. He nice. He nice. And it was just like, <laughs> I just always put that energy out there, bro, to let people know I was going to do it. Yeah. And then I always followed through on it. You know what I mean? So it was many times where, bro, I didn't have shit. But the one thing people knew my dad always tell me this, be convicted of what you, uh, of what you want to do. You feel me? So like, like doing a crime, you know, if you do a crime and somebody see you, they can be like, that's, he did it. People saw what I wanted to do so fucking much. You couldn't convince nobody else that I didn't want to do that. You couldn't. Yeah. Everybody knew he's going to do music. So now when I go back home and people start seeing me do fashion, they see me doing sports and shit like that. People pretty much be like, Bro, that's Chase, bro. He been doing that shit forever, bro. He, he been doing that shit since I knew him. You yeah. know what I mean? So 
you just gotta you just gotta put yourself around like minded people. You know, I mean, people who got a similar energy to you, and um, the envy, the jealousy, the mis being misunderstood, that shit go out the window, bro. You know what I mean? And you really lay yeah. down a foundation for people to be able to look at what you did and then follow suit. They just not gonna do it. Time some most times they not gonna do it on the time length of where they can be close to you. It's very few people who are gonna be. Right, right alongside of you, step and step, step and step. You know what I mean? Most times you don't have to do some shit. You be the moved on from it. And then somebody can look at it and be like, damn, I remember bro did his Spotify shit. Now he got a fucking TV deal or he got a big ass podcast with so-and-so, you feel me? And then they'll yeah. understand it. You know what I mean? Simple as that. Now you're absolutely right. And it's, it's funny because as I'm listening to you, like, you know, a lot of the people, because I'm from Houston, from Houston, went to school in New Orleans. Um... But yeah, a lot of people that know me from back... I went to Xavier. Okay. Yeah, I went, I went to college out there. But um, yeah, man, a lot of people that have been knowing me for a long time, they always show love. But it's, it's definitely been some of these, these LA relationships that... But like you said, people, you know, trying to figure out how a nigga did it. But same time, that ain't got nothing to do with me. But uh, <laughs> something I did want to ask you... Yeah. I'm going to tell you this about L.A., bro. L.A. is just a place where so many people trying to get their shit off. And the gutsiest thing they could ever do is just move there. And I think that's Man. why a lot of times it takes people there longer to succeed because of all the other distractions and the fact that you see so many people trying to do what you do. You know what I mean? A lot of my guys that live in smaller areas, I feel like they may not have the network that a person in L.A. could get. But at the same time, they learn the craft and they learn the skill and they learn the intangibles of running a business before a lot of people do in L.A. It takes a certain person to move to L.A. and have a certain type of focus to be able to cut through all the other shit that's going on and then get to the resource. Because a lot of times people are looking at a certain type of person to get them through the door. And that's not the person that's going to get them through the door. That's the one thing I can say about L.A. Whereas in let's say Houston or Atlanta or anywhere else, you know what I mean? You'll meet somebody and somebody, bro, I go to Nashville and most of the people in Nashville I meet, bro, I kid you not, no disrespect to them, I would never think they are who they are. And when you meet with them and you connect with them, they are very, very connected. They are plugged up. They can tie you in with this person, this person, this person. And I feel like I had to, when I got to Nashville, it was a level of like, I don't want to say humbling because I feel like I'm humble when I need to be. But I think it was definitely a, a, a wake up call into like not stereotyping. I think that's what it was because coming from L.A., bro, I feel like I stereotyped what a plug would look like or what somebody who could do something for you look like. You know what I mean? And that's low yeah. key why I had to get out of there for a minute, bro, because at the end of the day, I'm just like, man, it's so many people I'm coming across that say they could do this, do this, do this, do this. And then they don't follow through on it. I go to Nashville, yeah. motherfuckers is like, yo, what you need help with? And then they just get on the phone and just start plugging with all kind of different people who do that type of shit. And they don't want, they don't want nothing from Man, that was but, something I noticed about New Orleans, too. Yeah, New Orleans, people in New Orleans, bro, I'm going to tell you this. People in New Orleans, people in New Orleans are straightforward at the end of the day. That most of, most of us are straightforward. We either can help you or we can't help you, period, point blank. You know what I mean? And I don't think there's a, uh, I don't think there's a need. One, if you flex on the wrong person in New Orleans, that could go wrong. You know what I mean? So you don't want to do that in the least bit. You know what I mean? Because people take it to extremes. So I think there's a level of respect that goes around New Orleans. You know what I mean? That's that's 
ex- expected. You know what I mean? If you ask somebody for help, if they can help you, they're going to help you. If they can't help you, nine times out of ten, they're just going to be like, man, I can't fuck with it. You know what I mean? They're just going to keep it a buck. I feel like in L.A., a lot of people just want to make sure that they can just stay close, stay close. And instead of being honest about what they can and can't do, they tend to put on a front. You know what I mean? So they don't lose the relationship. Yeah. And then with that, when with, with doing all that, to me, you lose the opportunity because the person you're playing close isn't the person that truly can help you. Yeah. Oh, that's real. Man, something something else I wanted to ask you, um, because another thing about LA that I noticed is people that are working on like entertainment shit do not really <laughs> take care of their mental health and they be fucked up just chasing this shit because it ain't easy. You know, it's not easy. But I was curious to know how do you manage your mental health, you know, just in in the work that you do? Man, one, uh during the pandemic I started working out, but I can honestly say before that, living in LA all them years, um it's crazy, you know what I mean? I actually fell into my depression while I was in LA. I ended up moving cross country to New York. That's when I realized it. You know what I mean? Because when I was in New York, there was just so much going on and I felt like, damn, I can't, I can't just like get out of this mode that I'm in and just get in the streets. So once I end up getting out of it, you feel me? A lot of it was just like changing habits, you know what I mean? Changing the people you around. Um New York, New York put me back in a place of like reality you know what i mean you see so many people with regular lives doing what they got to do to make it um i think that was the biggest thing that i needed to be around i feel like in la man people people put aside reality for dreams and imagination a little too much i'm not gonna say you shouldn't use your imagination and you shouldn't you know be dreaming and shit like that but i think there's a level of reality where it may not be your reality but you know it exists that's what i'm really trying to say like the person who just like gets up and goes to work to take care of their family. I feel like a lot of that shit sometimes is missing in Los Angeles because people just be around motherfuckers that's just trying to make it and be successful. And, you know, what I mean, always trying to like um, not attain things that's not achievable. But at the end of the day, like they don't work on the principal values of being a human. And that shit will fuck your head up, man. When you always around people who, you know, trying to get the next car or trying to get the next job, trying to get the next audition. And it makes it seem like if you ain't seeing no progress in that lane, then your life isn't a fruitful life where you got the person who they got family, they got kids, you know, they kids learning how to say a new word, spell a new word. That shit right there is fulfilling. That shit don't come with no bread. That shit don't come with no award or no trophy. So I think just even to be in a place where you can be reciprocated, I think that's the biggest thing in LA that's got people fucked up. They do a lot and they don't feel the reciprocation that's needed to have enjoyment or feel like they truly being successful. So it fucks their head up, man. And they go, they, they go to a couple yeah. auditions. And they don't make it. They go to the studio and play some beats that don't get picked. And then you see somebody in that same element, get an opportunity that you feel like you're working really hard for, but you don't understand how timing works. You don't understand how energy works. That shit will fuck your head up, bro. I see that happen to so many people. You know what I mean? And then from there, when it starts affecting your living standards, 
you go from being able to live on your own to now you got to live with a roommate. Now you got to, you know, couch surf and all these different things. And these are things I had to do. You know what I mean? I had to couch surf for yeah. a long time. That's pretty much a standard in LA if you're trying to make it. <laughs> Keep it real with you. Yeah, you know yeah. You got to have good people in your life. You know what I mean, I was blessed to meet people that were born and raised in LA that got good families. One of my best friends is, is born and raised in LA. So, you know, his mom is like my mom and, you know, he's like my brother and, I, they was able to put me back on my feet, you know what I mean? A couple of my homies, you know what I mean? Hit Boy, you know, G-Ride, my boy Matt, all of them are from California, L.A. County area, you know what I mean? So to be yeah. around people who had yeah, that and, type and I, of ability, you know, It's, it's funny you mentioned that because I think it is – you said what? I was just saying them being bad, from there – I was saying them being from there, having that stability was huge because it gave me something to fall back on and be around people who, you know, had a world that they could pull me in outside of just the music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I feel like that's very important, especially like, you know, a lot of people that come out here as transplants. I, so many people just come to L.A. to just take. And right now it, it does feel like the energy of L.A. is just being sucked dry. <laughs> so it's James Woods. AKA that yoga dude with feel free to feel free. The light, the joy, the peace, the calm inside of me just radiates to my home, my school, my neighborhood. And the more deeply I breathe, the more I relax, the more I embrace this current moment and fill it with joy and sincerity towards the most authentic me, the more it radiates outside of me. Everybody is getting this love just from me breathing deeply and allowing myself to be still and calm. Allowing my body to soften and relax. Allowing my mind to settle into each and every one of my breaths. Taking a moment to let go of the planning, the figuring, the strategizing, the piecing together. Having a second to release the regrets, the mistakes, the recaps, and just being right here. Letting the breath be the guide to bring me back to my destination of presence. The deeper I dive into this current moment and sense of presence, the more I pull from it joy, peace, calm, a fearless sense of love that can't help but to make me glow. Let's take three deep breaths to step even deeper into this glow. One, two, three, let's inhale. Exhale. Soften the jaw, the face, inhale. And exhale. Hands are relaxed, the body is relaxed, the back is soft. Inhale. And exhale. 
enjoy the calm you cultivated, the peace and joy. <sighs> As in every one of your breaths. And as always, feel free to feel free and namaste. Peace. Yeah, it is. And I mean, people from L.A. have always said that, you know, what I mean, because there's a clear divide. I think there's like a joke where it's like if you below Pico and La Brea or Olympic, you know, what I mean, that's the real L.A., you know, what I mean, and to a certain extent, yeah. it, it, it kind of is, you know, what I mean, because those are the those are the areas where people live at, you know, where they dealing with, you know, the gang violence, you know, what I mean, the poverty and all these different things. But then. All you got to do is just shoot up La Brea, you know what I mean, and La Cienega, and then you go to Hollywood, you know what I mean? And you get to see all this opportunity that's presented to you. And then you got a lot of people that are just coming in from all over the place, literally, like you said, just to take, just to take, but not really contributing anything to the environment. And I think anytime you're, because um, to even take something, there's an outpour of energy that comes with that, you know what I mean? So if you're not doing anything that can be reciprocated, I think you're just going to drain yourself. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people. They just start draining themselves and then they have to become energy vampires where they got to hang around people who truly aren't like them, aren't good people. You know what I mean? Don't got the best intentions, but they have a common goal in mind of just being successful and getting money and, and trying to get it popping and shit like that. So you see people fall in the clubs and they be fucking with all kind of different people who got weird energies and shit like that. And, you know, I was just thankful, bro, that I did not get lost in that type of shit. You know, uh, I think my my biggest thing was the weed smoking. You know, I'm I'm close to 300 days clean for the first time in my life. Since Man, I, congratulations. I, I started smoking weed in New Orleans, but I would literally say that I really started smoking weed when I got to L.A. at the rate where it was kind of like commonplace in New Orleans. We was kind of like the only dudes doing it. So it kept it kept your mind right to where it's just like, damn. I don't want to be burnt out, you feel me? And then coming from a place where people drink a lot, it was like being different, you know what I mean? Like, I wasn't really big on drinking, you feel me? So, but when I got to LA and everybody was high, bro, I, that it, it took me up until now when I decided to go sober to realize, like, damn, bro, as much as you thought you was different, you was a lot like these people because you partaking in the same things and you, you're not getting the, the best of your ability and... I think that's a lot of what goes on. It's a lot of things that are commonplace in L.A., you know what I mean, with like being high all the time and shit like that. A lot of people really don't know how much that shit is altering them from being them true, being their true self, you know what I mean? It just seemed like it's just so promoted and it's so cool to do. People just like, well, fuck everybody else doing it. I'm going to do it, you know what I mean? And it take a strong individual to walk them streets and be like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm only doing this. Y'all like to smoke and drink. I like to go to auditions. I like to rehearse. I like to do this. And that's what I'm going to do. And if that makes it seem like my circle is, is smaller, eventually you'll fall into the right place once you get the, once you reach the goal that you want to reach. But a lot of people getting their they, they dreams stalled out and, and missing out on a lot of opportunities because of the habits that they have picked up by moving to that place. And I think that's the one thing that people say, like, I remember when I used to meet people from LA that didn't smoke weed, I used to be like, damn, that's crazy. How you, how you from LA and you don't smoke <laughs> weed? But I, I, now I understand why, because imagine growing up and seeing yeah. so many people do that shit and they acting crazy and acting weird and shit. Now that's not to say everybody is like that because that shit affects everybody differently, especially depending on how you use it. But I remember being in a place where niggas, was, niggas for sure were smoking 10 blunts in a day minimum, you know what I mean? Literally everything yeah. they doing, 
getting high before doing it. You know what I mean? They got to go eat. They getting high before doing it. We go into the club. Nigga, roll up 10 blunts. Nigga, bring them in the club. You know what I mean? So that shit is mind altering. And I think that as long as people don't feel like that's a thing for them, you know what I mean? You're going you're gonna to be coming across a lot of people who are not truly being themselves. Now, weed is legal in NY now. But I think the thing that I've seen with NY is like the pace is so fast. You, you, if you sitting out here blowing weed and all day long, you clearly don't got nothing to do. You clearly don't got nothing to do. And living in LA, what, what are most people doing if they not at work, if they not at auditions, if they not in the studio? Yeah. Sit on their ass idle, dog, and just think. And that's the yeah. quickest way to get depression because you sitting up, fucking with your head. You feel me? Now you idle instead of keeping yourself busy. And I think that's the best thing that fitness brought to my life was. Being that I have a lot of idle time, that's a great way to fill it for a cool two, three hours or an hour at least to be able to get my mind out of like, get me out of my head. You spend a, I just, I read a quote the other day. You spend a lot of time in your head, make it an enjoyable place to be. You feel me? And that shit rings true to me right now, bro, because it was a certain point in time, yeah. bro, where if I sat idle too long, I wasn't playing video games no more. And I think video games is a great way to like, get yourself out of your head and keep yourself healthy. You feel me? Um, as long as you, you know, you can still retain that level of being able to utilize your time. I wasn't somebody that was going to stay on the game for 10 hours, but I could get on the game and play GTA and play 2K. You feel me? And be able to be like, you know what? Let me stop thinking about that for a little while and get to this. And then once I got tired with the game, I felt the level of inspiration to go sit back down on the beats or go do something. Yeah. But you sit down idle, bro, and you start thinking of shit, and you think that fucking weed is going to get you out of that, bro. Next thing you know, you got that small jolt of inspiration, and then that come down is anxiety, worrying about this, being nervous, uh, tripping, you know what I mean? So in that environment, I just think the best thing you can do is have very, 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 very good discipline. I think you need very good discipline, period, but I think living in Los Angeles where most people do not like to have a job on the side while pursuing their destiny, you got to have discipline, man. Because if you don't, you are definitely going to have some people around you. Bro, come come smoke something, bro. Link up. Let's blow. And that shit cool for a short window. And then next thing you know, you got the side effects of being like, damn, man, I ain't where I want to be at. Man, I ain't tri- man. I ain't got the money that I want. Da, da, da. Man, them niggas just brought a Benz. Da, 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 da. And it's like, bro, that should have that should have drive you into a pit, bro. Yeah, man, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, how did how did you how did you end up on your fitness journey? Like, what got you into fitness? Man, the pandemic, bro, it, it shut everything down. You know what I mean? So I had bad posture. You know, from sitting in chairs, playing the piano, just being hunched over. And I did not like that shit, bro. You feel me? And um, I just remember going on YouTube and looking up what I could do to fix my posture. And then a bunch of shit with calisthenics start popping up. So I was like, man, you know what? I'm going to fuck with the calisthenics. The gyms was closed at the time, too. So that really gave me more motivation because at that time, I wasn't really a gym dude. I only went to the gym to play basketball, like LA Fitness or whatever gyms had a court. So... You know, um, I started going to this this stadium at UCLA called the Drake, where the track people work out at. And I, when I went there, I ended up meeting a group of guys from like Buffalo, Rochester, close friends of mine, my boy Oz, Rashawn and all them. They was uh, my boy Oz was on the pull up bars. And when I see him doing the pull up bars, I was like, man, that shit look cool. You feel me? Like, I want to fuck with that. 
And I had recently started doing pull-ups at a park at my crib, but there was nobody else out there. So I was kind of losing the motivation. And I couldn't I couldn't even do a pull-up two years ago, bro. Like, what was the pandemic two years ago? I could not do a pull-up, bro. And I, when I did that shit, I felt like a complete failure. I remember trying to get up there and do like five of them. And I was like, God damn, bro, you weak. And at this time, I'm probably like 31 years old, 32 years old. So I'm like, nah, man, I got to yeah. get in shape. So when I'm at the Drake, I, I meet eyes. I'm seeing him. Bro, he doing pull-ups with a fucking ball tied around his waist. You feel me? Like yanking. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, man, this shit look crazy. So I go up to him. I'm like, look, bro, you mind being able to like put me on game on how to do this shit? He was like, yeah, man, I got you. So we start going to the Drake together as a group, walking the stairs, doing pull-ups, calisthenics. And from there, it was so many people that started coming to the park. They ended up closing it because they didn't want nobody to catch COVID. So from there... We had to move and relocate. Now, my guys at the time, they're new to L.A. They literally just moved to L.A. before the pandemic happened. And my boy was a teacher at the time. And my other homie was doing film work. So they didn't have no job. So literally, only thing we could do was work out. So my man asked me, what's another park that we could go to? And I was like, well, look, y'all tell me where y'all at. And I'll pick something central. I end up finding a park. We start going there. My boy start bringing the equipment out. Uh, he bring the rings out. We doing the pull-ups and everything like that. And from there, it just started growing and growing and growing. Another friend of mine, my boy Jero, he and he and he's another artist. You feel me? Same difference. You know what I mean? He was focused on getting healthy and we couldn't go to studios. We couldn't do anything like that. So it was literally a, just the greatest way to get out of the house. You know what I mean? Because I felt like if I would have stayed in the house, bro, I would have been I would have been driven crazy. Like I'm normally working from home, but I always had something that would bring me out of the house like going to the studio or going here. I think the only thing you could do at the time was work out and go to the grocery store. You feel me? You couldn't do shit else. So it just became a yeah. habit. And, you know, just started doing it every day, two, three hours a day. And from that, it became like therapy because I was getting to know people and shit like that. You know what I mean? And we were able to talk about things that we're going through. The, I think the inexperience of them being new to L.A. and the experience of me being in L.A. for all that time allowed us to, you know, feed off of each other. So I'm learning fitness from my man and he learning how to live in L.A. from fucking with me. So that just kept building and kept building. And then by the time things started getting cracking again with the pandemic opening up, um, I started going to the gym. And then that's when I really started seeing like, OK, I got I got a knack for this. And, you know, I think the best thing for me was seeing results you know what i mean i'm a results driven person you know what i mean a lot of what i do in my life takes patience you feel me like it take time to get paid from doing consultant fees it take time to get paid from music royalties all these things so there's a certain level of waiting and patience that you gotta have i think with fitness the kick with me bro is like if you really go hard for a month two weeks to a month you're going to see results sooner than later you ain't got to worry about hell that. yeah that that right there was just it for me you feel me and then once i started seeing the change in my body and seeing how people was reacting to it a lot of people were starting to get more inspired by my journey because i was putting it on instagram and showing people the transformation and then from there i got into boxing and then once i got into boxing i just fell in love with boxing and you know what i mean i i could I, I didn't pick up a basketball basketball was really the only sport that i was doing to stay active. And then once I got into boxing, it was kind of like, okay, this gave me a way to release that pent up energy. And I feel like that's what also working out does when you're going out there and you're hitting them weights and you're doing that calisthenics, all that pent up aggression that you have. You feel me? Look, I'm, I'm a pretty chill person, but we all have something inside of us where we got like that little edge, you know what I mean? And that was a way for me to of get course, my edge yeah. out. 
mean? And doing that, man, I would feel so peaceful the rest of the day. And I felt like it made everything go so smooth. And, you know, it just continues now. You know what I mean? There was a point in time I was waking up five, six, seven in the morning to go work out. Now that I got the habit, I can kind of work out when I need to and just allot the time for it and just still keep the same level of intensity. But I think it showed me a different side of myself and how I could overcome mental obstacles of just being like, you know, I'm sore today. You know what I mean? I'm tired. Do I want to do this? And the accountability of the group, you know, made me a better person because I didn't want to let my guys down. Like we all had a group message where my trainer, my boy Oz was sending a group text. He was sending a message out in the morning and everybody who responded was the people who needed to show up. And I'm, I'm one of them people like I'm, I'm trying to be Mr. Dependable. You know what I mean? So there wasn't too many days I missed. The only time I probably missed days was like when the pandemic opened and I had to go do shit uh, like according to my job and shit like that. But other than that, bro, it was just an everyday thing, everyday thing. I'm Me and him, first ones there, setting up the cones, doing everything, you know what I mean? And it really made me a better person, bro. It showed me that I could overcome things mentally. You know what I mean? It showed me that, you know, the level of intensity I need to push myself through. You know, your mind will tell you you can't do things, but your body is prepared to do it. So it was a lot of that. Like, I feel like my body and mind got very, very in sync from doing that you know you know how sometimes like i said i was smoking weed at the time bro so you can hit the weed and be on some yeah. shit like i'm cool man i'm gonna do that shit in 30 minutes then an hour passed then two hours passed you know what i mean this was something where it was just like nah bro you gotta go do this shit you gotta go get it in you want to fix your posture and then the thrill of being able to go from 10 pull-ups to 20 pull-ups to 30 pull-ups to doing 100 in a day 200 in a day 200 push-ups, bro. I used to feel undefeated doing that shit. I still do. That's not like my regular workout. 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 uh, squats. That's at minimum. You feel me? And then we doing Man. this shit. We was doing this shit six, seven days a week, bro. So I ended up ballooning quick. I was frail, bro. I was like, bro, I might have been like 150 soaking wet, bro. I'm putting on like 35 pounds of muscle since then. You feel me? Wow. Just from, just hard at the shit you know what i mean and i was plant-based at the time my boy who was training was also plant-based you know what i mean so we just had a, a ill connection with being able to just like feed off of each other and then you know clubhouse was popping at that time you feel me so everybody was sitting on clubhouse i started meeting different people from there then people from clubhouse started trickling into our workouts we would have 15 to 20 people at a workout on a weekend. You know what I mean? We'll go to the beach and set up workouts and all these different things. So it was a real good community builder too. And a lot of the people that I met from them workouts, even though we've kind of gone our separate ways, we still in touch with each other because there's a level of like accountability that we created with each other where we can come to each other and be like, you know, what you, what you dealing with, what you going through. All right, cool. You could, you could do that. You can conquer that. You can beat that. So that's really what it was, bro. I think the pandemic was, other than Hurricane Katrina, I think the pandemic was a was the second biggest life changing moment that I had in my life so far. Man, same, <laughs> same. Shoot, I wanted to get into man, can't buy respect. Yes, sir. And uh, I just wanted to know, like, man, how how did you come up with the name? Like, what inspired you to do that? So. This the first chain, you feel me, right here. So we started off as crown bearers. We still call ourselves that. You know what I mean? That was like a closed circle of me and my closest friends. We was making the merch with that name on it first, but it wasn't really going. And then I had a brand called, not even had a brand, but Can't Buy Respect was called All Work More Pay at first. I was doing All Work More Pay. And um, I was just like, man, 
this shit ain't really catching like that. I feel like I need a different name. And so I was just like CBR. I was just going off the letters of the group and everything like that. And some came to me, bro. I was just like, man, what? I, I remember asking myself, like, what do you stand for? Because at the moment in time, I'm not the richest person in the game. I'm not the most popular person in the game. You know what I mean? People know me and I was successful. But I was like, what do people know you for? And I felt like I was integrity and respect. You know what I mean? So I remember sitting there and I was thinking like, man, money can't buy respect. And I was just like, let me take the money aspect off of it because my name, all of my homies' names got money in it. I'm chasing cash. My boy Dow yeah. Jones, my other homie is Money Matt. My other homie is Chris Cash. So I was like, let me not put money in the name. You feel me? But still figure out a way to like have that connotation behind it, but make it something different. And um, I was just like, can't buy respect, man. I was, I said money can't buy respect at first, but then I was like, can't buy respect. And I remember looking that shit up on the internet, bro, and ain't nobody have it. I couldn't believe it. Wow. So I remember being in the domain. I remember telling my business partner to go get the name, copyrighted, trademark, all that different shit. And then I just started thinking about graphics. And I had a young boy at the time who was doing graphics for me, my boy Teron. Um, I told him, I was like, look, you know, make me something with this slogan on it. He made the, he made the logo. Um, we started printing on black and green tees, red tees, blue tees at first. They did decent, you know what I mean? But I felt like it wasn't grabbing like that. And I remember watching something about colors and how, you know, colors, the color of your brand logo or all these different things is like a great way to express your energy. So most of the logos had red in them, you know what I mean? Like all, all the great logos had red in them, you know what I mean? And then I remember coming across McDonald's and McDonald's got red and yellow in it. So I was like, I'm gonna go with yellow. Yeah. You feel me? I, I, yellow, yellow, one of my favorite colors, and I feel like yellow is a, a great, ex, like, great way to explain my energy between red and green. You know what I mean? I'm one of the people like I know when to stop shit, and then I know when to go. And uh, okay, let me ask you this: What do you do when you see a yellow light in your mind? What you think when you see a yellow light? Um, slow down a little bit. Like, okay, now I, know see, it's, I know it's turning red, so I'll probably slow down. Yeah. Okay, now see, that's funny because that's why I, that's another reason why I fuck with the color so much because everybody got a de- everybody know what green and red is. You feel me? But yellow is yeah. that transitional color where it's like it really speaks to your thought process. Now, me personally, I'm like, nigga, I gotta get through there. That's how I'm thinking about it. I'm like, no, nah, I gotta get through that, but <laughs> Now, I'm not doing that if I'm a far distance away, you feel me? Like, I know when, how far I am, so yeah. it's just, it goes to your same thought. It was like, if I'm too far away from it, I'm just like, you know what? I got to slow down. It's going to turn green. You feel me? It's going to yeah. turn green again. But if I'm close enough and that bitch is about to turn red, I'm going, nigga. I ain't going to slow down. I'm going to roll through. If I'm right there, I'm going to roll through. That's exactly why I like that color, you feel me? Because that color really speaks to your thought process, you feel me? And you know, it, it's it's yeah. it's one of them colors that make you caution and make you aware, and that's what I want to have with my brand: bring awareness to like, what are you really thinking? Like, because you can see green, and since you know what green is, you feel me? You might make yourself go, and you're not ready to go yet. You feel me? And you might see red, and you might stop, but you might feel like, man, this ain't the time to stop. You feel me? So, I think the in between thought between go and stopping is what I represent with the brand, making you think. Literally, that's what I want my brand to do. When you think, when you think can't buy respect, as much as you're gonna probably think of me as the person making it, you're gonna think about what it represents to you. And then when Tatiana came up with not for sale, 
And I added that on there as the slogan, can't buy respect because it's not for sale. I feel like people gravitated towards that shit because there's so many things out here that you can buy. You can buy jewelry and make people look at you different. You can buy a car and make people look at you different. But there are certain intangibles out here that you cannot pay for. And people are going to look at you a certain way based off their experience with you. And I did not have, I was around guys, big diamond chains on, bro. These the same niggas asking me, yo, what should I do, bro? What should I do on my album? What should I do with this? Because the level of respect that they had for my taste level, for my intelligence, for the time that I put in the craft. So I was like, okay, this is the, this is, the yellow is my gray area. You know what I mean? You got dudes at the top and dudes at the bottom. On their way and moving, they come to me and ask me for input. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of the people who relate to my brand, they fuck with that. Now, it's funny because just the other day, one of my homies is watching Atlanta. I ain't never watched Atlanta in my life. I know it's a critically acclaimed show, you know, one awards and all that. I ain't never tapped in until just the other day. Now, I forgot that we even I forgot that we even had clothes sent to them. You feel me? My Damn. man, I'm, I'm, I'm on my gram. Boom, niggas tagging me. And then I see my man shit. He just like, man, I can't buy respect on Atlanta. That's crazy. So I'm looking at it. I'm seeing it. I'm like, God damn, okay, let me go watch this shit. So I go watch it the other day, bro, and I kid you not, the fucking scene that our, our product is in is a dude in the music industry giving advice on how black artists can survive in the music game. And they joking, talking about going get a white artist wow. and shit like that. But at the same time, I'm looking at it like, okay, like this speaks to why I did this shit because this is the area that I actually exist in. Like people come to me for input. People come to me for advice and how to do shit and how to execute. So to see my product and then I end up getting two pieces in the same goddamn scene, bro. I didn't even see the second piece at first. I get on Twitter and the dude is like, yeah, they had the tears of the rapper shirt in there too. So I'm like, let me go back and look. I go back and watch it, bro. I kid you not. The homie is on a projector. He got the crew neck on and then in the goddamn picture that he's showing, one of the dudes got the, got the tears of the rapper shirt on. So I'm just like, this is insane, bro. And, wow. you know, like it's certain it's certain little like nuggets and little gems that pop up that lets me know, like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing with this brand. You know what I mean? Seeing Andre 3000, seeing yeah. Kendrick. Kendrick was the one who really popped it off. Wayne was the first to wear it. Wayne wore the hoodie and live. And I remember my man, seen me, uh, he, was in, he was in Miami that night and he was just like, bro, I swear to God, I see Lil Wayne standing up on the couch right now, smoking a blunt wearing your hoodie. And I was like, send me a pic. He sent me a pic. Now, one of my homegirls, her name is Dev. She worked with Wayne. She worked with him at the time as his assistant. I hit Dev and I'm like, man, Wayne got my hoodie on. He was like, yeah, I forgot I forgot to tell you I gave him one. So she sent me the pictures. Wow. I posted shit online. The shit start booming. But when Kendrick, he wore the not for sale shirt at... Uh, Music Midtown in Atlanta, some kind of concert or some shit yeah. like that, some festival. And then you, this nigga's big as fuck on the screen, bro. We're not for sale, all, bro. You know what I mean? I'm just like, this is crazy. Damn. And you don't know these guys. You know them for being, you know, fashionable in their own right, but you can't really attach them to brands like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, especially Kendrick. You know what I mean? Kendrick ain't somebody you could really associate with other brands other than TDE and his own brand. So to have him wear that. Yeah. And the iconic picture came out with him sitting backstage behind the, uh, and sitting in the chair with the shit on. I was just like, nah, like this, this is it right here. And it just took the right people to wear it for it to speak to people because I feel like 
people respect Kendrick Lamar. They respect Andre 3000. They respect Lil Wayne. You feel me? So as long as I can stay in that realm of being able to connect with the right people, I think I'm good, bro. But the brand literally came about off of that. I had so many connections to people. Um, I was inspired by Rock Nation. I seen what Rock Nation did with the paper plane hat and how the paper plane hat made people feel like they was in the music business. It's a joke where it was like, yeah. you've seen some people with a paper plane hat, they want to be an A&R. You know what I mean? And it was, it was kind of <laughs> true. You feel me? Like like people who had yeah. that paper plane hat, they was, that was like the way to show that you was behind the scenes in business almost. It wasn't like you seen a bunch of rappers wearing it, but all the people who worked with the artists or worked on the business side, they all was wearing a paper plane hat. You feel me? So yeah, I was like, I need my version of that. Like, what's going to be my version? And I didn't want to make a hat because I'm not one to copy niggas. You feel me? So I was like, I ain't going to do no hat. You feel me? I was like, let me find something that I could do that people could wear all the time. And it was just as simple as a hoodie, bro. And I came with the color yellow. And then I did the green with the not for sale because I felt like green is just an attractive color. It make you think of money. But then at the same time, the juxtaposition of being able to see not for sale on the motherfucker, it just was just like, well, damn, this shit works. You know what I mean? And I got the arch. I got the yeah. arch from Harvard. I would see people wearing um, Harvard merchandise that never went to Harvard. Once again, it's like the paper plane theory. If you get seen in a Harvard hoodie, niggas think you fucking smart, bro. Niggas think you intelligent. You know what I mean? So yeah. how yeah. do I get people to feel that way? I feel like when you see people in some not for sale shit and you know what it is or you don't know what it is, you can if you know what it is, you just like, ah, okay, I feel you. You hip to the movement. And then if you don't know what it is and you see somebody walking around with that shit on confidently, you're going to relate to it because you'll be like, damn, not for sale. Shit, I'm not for sale either. Can't nobody buy me. Can't nobody, you know, just treat me any kind of way over some bread. You know what I mean? And it's, that's the biggest thing. It's not that you're not here to get money or, or you, you, you being anti or rebellious. I don't even think people pick it up from that because I think that when you when you think about this, like I said, it goes back to this this matrix that we in, bro. And when you think about all the ways that you go on the internet now, people just like to throw money and shine and this, this. You don't know nothing about them except they paper. To have somebody just humbly come through and be like, I'm not for sale. That shit is going to strike up a thought in somebody's mind like, ah, ha, me either. Me, I'm, I'm not for sale either. That's what's up, bro. I'm fucking with that. Where'd you get that from? You know what I mean? And that's the general. Hey man, that's what I thought when I first saw him. Yeah, bro. That's what I want people to think, bro. I want people to think about how they feel when they see that shit. You know what I mean? And there was a point in time where I thought I was going to take it to like a higher level of trying to do more fashion with it. But I look at it now as a uniform. You feel me? Like you see me with a Yankee hat on, bro. It ain't too many times you ain't going to see me with a Yankee hat on. That's my, that's my uniform. Same thing like Denzel. You feel me? So I think that with the not for sale shit came by respect. That is a uniform. When you see that shit, you know what it represents. You know the people it represents. And you know what they stand for, bro. So that, um, that's the proudest thing that I have with the brand is the fact that people relate to it. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm blessed to be able to bring the green shirt back and bring the yellow hoodie back in. All I do is make the quality better every time. But every, it seems like every time I post this shit, motherfuckers be like, damn, I don't wear my shirt so much. I got to get a fresh one. I got to get a new one. That's how I am with Yankee hats, bro. I wear a blue Yankee hat so fucking much, I eventually got to go get a new one. You know what I mean? Or like white Air Force Ones. Yeah. You feel like niggas feel incomplete without a fresh pair of white Air Force Ones. That's how I want people <laughs> to feel about having my shit. I think I want everybody to have uh, the, the most 
influential staple pieces from my brand. I want them to buy the other shit too, but at the end of the day, I've learned like I, I've created something that's uniform. All I got to do is find different color palettes to be able to express it through, and people are going to embody that shit. You know what I mean? So I literally just approved some new shit in the phone right now that we got coming. We got new Canberra Respect tees coming. We got new Not For Sale tees coming in like a little Neapolitan ice cream colorway. We're bringing the green tee back. We're bringing the yellow hoodie back with the matching pants this time. So, you know, I'm just continuing to like evolve the shit. I'm not a person that feel like the brand is so popping that the quality can't get better. But at the same time, I'm not trying to abandon something that I built because I still feel like I got a long ways to go to be able to get a lot of people wearing the shit. That's real, man. And that's dope. That's that's really inspiring to hear. Um, man, I wanted to move into, so I have a section of the show called ask me a question where get a couple of listeners to send us some questions. So I got two questions from some of our listeners. So here we go. All right, so our first question is from, well, actually both of these questions are from Yanni Blue. And uh, the first question is, how do you deal with the come down of a placement or a big accomplishment? Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. I ain't never been asked that before. Uh, uh, let me tell you this, man. Um, I look at everything as a stepping stone. So, you know, my first placement was on an R. Kelly album. Take that how you oh, want to wow. take it. That ain't my fault. <laughs> <laughs> at, the time, at the time, he was a good grace. But I was ghost producing for a guy. I had met him through some people I know in L.A., uh, Diana Ross kids. You feel me? I used to hang around them. So Evan, Evan was doing ATL movie at the time. I was working with a guy who came up with Evan. Um, and then, you know, we just used to be hanging out and meeting a guy by the name of K.O., who was a producer for Grand Hustle at the time. And uh, he heard our beats and he thought the beats was dope. So he ended up buying it. He ended up getting a beat CD from me and he ended up copying a couple of beats off of the beat CD for me and paying me for them. Then from there, he proceeded to place them on albums that he was working on. So the very first one that came out was uh, a track for... Um, R. Kelly, where I sampled Tweet. You feel me? Um, I got drum programming credit on there, but literally made the whole beat. You know what I mean? Um, and then the second one was Young Jock, a song called Pac-Man. And then after that, I had, um, when I got with Hit Boy, you know, we did Flow Rider before Flow Rider turned pop, Tiffany Evans, you know, all kind of people, bro. Um, the one thing was like, you got to understand that like, one placement is not going to do anything for you. You know what I mean? Now, one song can change your life. That's that's a fact. But one pla- it, the, the amount of placements that you're probably going to have to get up to that song, you feel me, is numerous. You know what I mean? You just got to keep working. I sold my first beats for money orders on SoundClick, if people know what SoundClick wow. is. So I was selling beats back yeah, then. Yeah, you know I remember. MP3.com, all that type of shit. You know what I mean? So, um you're going to have to just use that shit as stepping stones. It's like a rung on a ladder. Every time you sell a beat, it's like a rung on a ladder to take you to where you want to get to. You know what I mean? And you just got to not, you, you got to be excited because being excited is what's going to keep you inspired. 
but you got to just know that that one placement is not going to do much for you. You know what I mean? One song can change your life. That shit could be two years in, five years in. But I feel like you can't even really start counting the years you're in the game until you have a record that significantly impacts your life. You know what I mean? Selling a beat for $500 is great. That proves to you that you're able to make music that sells to, to I guess, the independence. And I, when I first sold my early beats for, that, for like hundreds of dollars and shit like that, it let me know I was on the right path. It was kind of like, okay, this is God telling me like you, you can be a producer in life and you can make a living off of it if you do the right things. Then from a business standpoint of meeting the right people, being able to have studio etiquette, all these different things, you feel me? Like that's what allows you to be able to deal with the come down of a placement is the fact that you got to get right back in the grind and you got to do it again. And if you don't have good studio etiquette, if you don't have good relationships, it's just going to be tough you feel me to make that shit happen. The relationships of what's allowed you is what allows you to do the hard work as far as making the music, but then also make that path easier to your success by being able to tap in with people, send emails, pull up to the studio, press play. But you know, the goal isn't just to get one placement. You know what I mean? The goal is to be able to be respected as a legend in the game. You know what I mean? And be able to build the sound and you know be able to be recognized as somebody that made other artists better, especially when you're a producer, because that's the goal overall is to get in the studio and make somebody better as an artist. You know what I mean? So I think the one thing you can do is just look at the trajectory of other producers that came before you. You know what I mean? I grew up trying to be like Pharrell and Timbaland and Manny Fresh. Man. Manny Fresh was doing Man. whole albums, nigga. Like, them niggas doing whole albums. So what is one placement to whole albums? You know what I mean? Like, that's why I never was tripping off placement. My goal was like, I'm trying yeah. to be like Manny and, and the Neptunes. They producing artists whole albums. You feel me? And putting them out on their own labels and shit like that. So, you know what I mean? Don't just... Just, just look at it as opportunity, you know what I mean? Like, once you get that placement, look at it as, like, self-assurance to be like, you know what? The dream that I had of being a producer is coming to reality. Now I just got to keep paving the shit out, paving the shit out, paving it out. That's what's up, man. And I got one more question from Yanni. Um, how do you stay sane in between work? So I guess like in between, I guess, songs maybe? Oh, man. Live life, bro. Man, look, I just started. I probably went like two, three weeks without making beats recently. And then before that, I had went a cool minute because I had relocated. You know what I mean? So I didn't even have my studio up. You know what I mean? I had a period where last year I was like back and forth from L.A. to New York because I was in transition of getting ready to move out of L.A. and move to NY again. So I didn't bring no laptop with me. I didn't have no MIDI keyboard. I literally was just living life. Then I had an instance happen to me a year ago in November, coming up on a year. Uh, I had got into like I had got into a fight, you know what I mean? And I ended up getting jumped by some guys, you feel me? So I ended up breaking my hands. So I couldn't do shit, you know what I mean? I had to do therapy and all kind of different shit, you know what I mean? So um, that was also something that told me was like, you know what? God got me back in this period of just like, living life and gathering experiences so you gotta live man honestly i don't know how i do sit up and just make beats all day every day that ain't for me i mean i know some guys who do that shit but i also feel like a lot of times they miss out on certain relationships that they could possibly have because they spend so much time working that they don't spend enough time out in the world 
to be able to, you know, connect with people and people connect with their music, but them as a person, you know what I mean? They're kind of like a recluse. You feel me? And think, think about it. And I think even going back to what you were saying about living life, going back to what you were saying about living life, like life inspires the art. So if you out and you, you know, traveling or whatever the fuck you do, like that shit is going to pour into the music as well. Yes, it's important, man. You might just be out somewhere. You you could be out having a, a, a dinner, you know what I mean? And the music playing, you hear some strings, you're just like, damn, what the fuck is that? That shit sound hard, you know what I mean? And if you me, you gonna ask who you gonna ask. I'm if I hear some shit and I'm in a spot, I'm gonna ask the waiter, like, yo, can you tell him to like tell me what that was on the playlist? Or you gonna pull your phone out and shazam it, or you just gonna remember the shit and then the next Hell time you yeah. go sit down. <laughs> You know, that shit is going to influence you, bro. You know what I mean? Um, same thing with the clothes. You go traveling, you see how somebody is dressed. Just like, damn, okay, I like the colors. I like that pattern. So I would just say live life. That's how I stay sane. I do not sit up here and just try to drill myself with the music. I know a lot of guys that could do that, but I feel like you'll end up being soulless and you'll just be making music that sound good, but don't feel good. Because you can make music that sound good, but it don't feel mm. good. You know what I mean? Like, I, I focus on the shit feeling good. It's some dudes that play chords way better than me. It's some dudes that, you know what I mean? Everybody drum slap now by default. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, what's what's the feeling in it? Because if you could just go online and just grab MIDI files, if you can go online and just grab this, you know, what's putting the feeling in it? You know what I mean? It, Outside of the technical aspect of making music, there's a certain type of relationship to the feeling that somebody has to have to you that's going to make them want to fuck with your music. You know what I mean? So you got to live your life, man. That's what's going to allow you to meet the next artist that you work with. You feel me? Or meet the manager of the next artist that you're going to work with. And then you lock in with them and it could be a beat that you've been sitting on for two years. It's new to them. But because you established this relationship with them and they fucking with you and they feeling you. You can press play on that shit and then boom, it take off. That's what's up, man. I got one more section for us. This section is called uh, Five Questions of Freedom, sponsored by Feel Free to Feel Free. So I'm going to ask you five questions and you can answer any way that you want to. So the first question is New York or L.A.? Oh, right now, New York City, man. <laughs> New York. Okay. Um, producing or rapping? Ah, uh, man. Uh, I'm going to go with producing, man, because uh, ain't nothing like playing the keys. You know what I mean? Rapping is great, uh, but playing the keys is something different, bro. That, that shit different. That shit different. Everybody can't do that shit. Yeah. The Neptunes or Timbaland? Ooh, we. Uh, the biggest influence on me is Pharrell. I love Timbaland, but Pharrell's still going, man. Pharrell's still killing it. You know what I mean? That man has never had a time where, and just oh, the overall encompassing of who he is as a person. I ain't never want to be like Timbaland. I wanted the drums that knock like him and the creative creativity, but everything Pharrell did from the music to the cars to, you know, the label, all that. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go with the Neptunes. Respect to Chad, too. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. Uh, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um. 
honestly, bro, you can't take shit back. So I'll just say, keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't, you know, everything happens. For you. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? So I would literally just say, stay positive and keep going. That was, that's what I would say. Stay positive. And last question, what is a reminder that you want to give to your future self? Stay healthy, stay positive, and keep going. <laughs> Honestly, bro, stay healthy. You know what I mean? Now that I'm 35, you know what I mean? I know the importance of that. You know what I mean? Uh, the mental diet, you know what I mean? All of that. You know what I mean? Just just, just be around good people, bro, and keep going. Be good to people, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's really what it is. Truly be good to people. When you're good to people, bro, and you keep it solid, shit work out in your favor. It'd be moments where you be broke as a joke. You know what I mean? Next thing you know, you get a message from somebody to be able to change your life and, you know, just seize opportunity, man. You know what I mean? My man just hit me last night about some shit for a movie. You know, and I literally in the text message was like, I'll get it done tomorrow. And then something snapped in my head where I was just like, bro, just stop what you're doing and do it right now. You know what I mean? So seize the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's a big thing of, of being able to make sure that you continue to stay in a loop and with the right people because people will offer you opportunity. But if you do it when you're ready instead of when the moment calls for it, you fuck around and miss out, dog. So, you know what I mean? Just seize the moment. Yeah. Man, Chase, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. Um, can you let the people know where, they, where they can find you? Yeah, man. You can find me on Chase and Cash at Twitter. That's Chase, the letter N, Cash with the E on the end. Uh, CampByRespect.com. Like I said, we got new shit coming. Uh, new music on the way. I think um, Thursday, my, my new single is dropping. And then two weeks from that, another one. And then I'll be ready to put out a couple projects before the year end. Um Instagram, Camp by Respect, Instagram, the air, T H E H E I R. And then, um, yeah, man, catch me in the streets. Like they said, man, we'll be outside, you know what I mean? So you find me in anywhere culture is happening, more than likely, I, I might not be too far. So you know, I appreciate all the support, but more than anything, man, support Camp by Respect, man. That's that's the movement. That's a bet, man. And and please, man, send me that music because uh, I'm going to put this out Wednesday. So, you know, I'll for sure push that as well. Yes, sir. I got you, Playboy. Appreciate you. Of course, man. I appreciate you. And thank y'all for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Peace. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for tuning into this week's episode of The Art of Letting Go. If you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Also, leave a review, rate the show, let people know what you think, let me know what you think. If you would like to further support the show, we do have merch available. Also, we have a Patreon where, shoot, it's going to be an exclusive episode coming out tomorrow. Um, so you definitely want to check that out. It's a really good one. But exclusive content community all on patreon starting at three dollars also like i said merch available all at the art of letting go podcast.com um next month on october 11th my birthday i will be releasing my podcasting course which is just a course to let you know how to start up a podcast and how to stay consistent with it and in between there i will be doing some ig lives i will be doing some zooms all for the free just so you could come and take your course with me 
and you get your podcast started because you know we all got a voice and we all want to share it so you know i want to help y'all get y'all voices out there also if you would like to be a guest on the show if you know somebody that would be a good guest for the show tell them hit up the website also send us your questions you know we love listener questions i love the questions the guests love the questions send them in everything is on the art of letting go podcast.com and i can't wait to hear from y'all and connect with y'all thank y'all so much for listening peace